Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, all right. You guys ready for this? We're continuing our prayer series this morning, and uh, as we talk about the power of prayer, I heard a great story about a pastor driving down the freeway. He's pulled over by a highway patrol who comes up to his window and smells alcohol. Looks at the pastor. Have you been drinking, sir? Pastor says, oh, no, no, officer. He goes, then what's that thermos right there? He says, oh, it's just water. He goes, let me smell that. Takes the thermos, smells it. He goes, this isn't water. I smell wine. Pastor looks at him what do you know? Jesus did it again. <laughs> Let's say this, these words together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I want you to repeat this in a loud voice as we're each week talking through the Lord's Prayer, believing that each phrase is an actual doorway into a new room of intimacy with God. Would you say this out loud with me in a loud voice? Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word says, Give us today our daily bread. This is the phrase in the Lord's Prayer that we find ourselves in this week. And I love talking about this subject because it allows us to see God so intimately involved in our lives. I don't know if you're familiar with the history of our church. It was 2008. We were just about 40 people. We had been going for several months We outgrew the living room of my rented home next to San Diego State, and it was time for us to begin our public services. And we were given a recommendation to actually have services here in Horace Mann as a great crossroads of society, specifically focusing on this area of the mid-cities that we so want to see transformation in. The problem was, as we approached the school district, we found that we needed $10,000 to launch our services here, and that was an overwhelming amount of money for such a small congregation. I was the only person in the church over 30 at the time. 
and we weren't in a particularly plush time in our own finances. It had been a week where we had actually turned over the couch cushions to look for change to buy our food. The interesting thing was as Suzanne Lair, and this was Jonathan's wife, Jonathan's, Jonathan who was leading worship for us, did a great job this morning, by the way. Uh, he's our campus pastor in Tijuana. But she was having coffee with a friend that had come, out of, uh, come to visit from out of town, and they were talking about what God was doing in our little startup church. And in the middle of her conversation, a man leans over and he goes, I don't mean to be eavesdropping, but I was. And he goes, I couldn't help but hearing you guys talk about starting a church in the, in the heart of San Diego. And I was deeply impacted. And I'd love to help you guys out in some way. I'm just visiting on vacation. But here's my business card. Would you hand this to your pastor? Well, we had been praying like crazy. God, we need a breakthrough. We need a miracle. We don't know how we're going to launch this church in, in this public place where we don't have finances for it. And so I get that card and I thought, maybe this is an answer to our prayers. I called the gentleman, I had never met him before, but as he started talking, comes to find out that he's a part of a ministry. He's actually part of Beth Moore, the well-known Bible teacher's ministry. And he goes, I'd just like to know if there's any way we can help you out. I chuckled. <laughs> I said, I'm a little sheepish to tell you how you can help us out, but we have a need. In fact, we have a really big need, and I swallowed hard, and I said, we need $10,000 next weekend. I paused, the phone was silent, and then he said, well, how would you like to have a check written for $10,000 come in the mail this week? I went, hallelujah! We received that check that week, and the rest is history. God met our need from a place that we would have never expected from a person that we had never met, and we've seen that time and time again both corporately as a people and individually for people in this fellowship. That's God's heart for us. And that's what we're talking about this week as we talk about receiving our daily needs. Asking God, give us today our daily bread. Now that phrase, our daily bread, might be a little unfamiliar for Americans, especially as we live in this era where low-carb diets are so popular <laughs> But for centuries, bread has been the staple or foundation for the food that people eat. And that was certainly the case for the Hebrew people, the children of Israel. And in fact, it had even greater implications when Jesus taught the, the disciples to pray this as Hebrews because they were very familiar with the story of God delivering their people out of bondage, out of captivity in Egypt through signs and wonders, through plagues, and leading them through the Red Sea into the desert. They found themselves free, but then they found themselves on the brink of, of starvation if they didn't receive some type of provision. And there God promised them to rain down bread from heaven daily for them. And so they understood the story of God providing their daily bread, their manna from heaven. And in fact, God said, don't store up more than you need for each day because I want you to learn to trust me. Now, Jesus understood that this is a hard area for us to trust him in, that area of having our daily needs met. And we see that as we continue on in this chapter, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. He's addressing his disciples and he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink 
or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't worry. Say, don't worry, church. Jesus understood. The reason he told us this is he knows that it's our tendency, it's our proclivity to worry. I was reminded this week of a, of a story of children in South Korea. After the Korean War, there were many orphans after that had taken place. And these orphans had often dealt with hunger pains. Now, they were taken into a specific orphanage, and Every day they were given three square meals and yet the, the, the people who ran this orphanage found that the children were often dealing with anxiety and even sleeplessness. And they realized it's because they were concerned every night when they went to bed that they wouldn't have food in the morning. So the nurses had this brilliant idea and they put a little piece of bread in each of the orphans' hands before they went to sleep. Not for them to snack on, but so that they could actually sleep with it. It became a security blanket for them so that they would know that they would have something as soon as they woke up. You know, we can often be like those orphans. Although we've seen God provide for us day after day, we can worry about our provision the next day. And Jesus wanted us not to put our provision in having just enough provision every day in our hands, but to actually look to faith in God. And he goes on to say this in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Such a, a beautiful teaching from Jesus. He's laying these foundations that we have to accept into our heart if we're going to live the peace-filled and faith-filled life in which he's called us to walk throughout life with. Foundation number one, you are valuable. You are valuable to Father God. He's saying, look at these birds. They're taken care of. Do you know that you're more valuable than the birds? Do you know that he cares more about you than the flowers of the field? Do you understand when you come with your daily needs that God sees you as his precious child? I'm not upset when my children have needs. In fact, I delight as a father. It makes me feel good to provide for the needs of my children. How much more does our loving Heavenly Father value you? Number two, worry will not help you. Worry will not help you. It can't add a single hour to your life. It can't add a single hair to your head. If, if it could, I'd worry a lot more. Worry does not help. Worry is not your friend. And so when we worry, it's a ceaseless practice, uh, senseless practice, excuse me. Number three, your father knows your needs. 
So oftentimes in praying, I remind God, God, you already know that I need this. And God, your word says that my God will supply your every need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He actually wants to meet our needs. He actually promises to meet our needs. So last point on this is our job, it's not to worry, it's not to fear, our job is to seek first the kingdom of God. I so often tell God, God, I know I'm going to do your will. That's my job. Your job is caring for me. Your job is caring for me. Now, I, I believe one of the reasons that we can often stumble and stutter in our faith in God providing for us is that we actually confuse our needs from our wants. We confuse our needs and our wants, and so it goes something like this. We start wanting something, so we start praying for it, and we're asking and asking and asking, and it doesn't come, and then we say, God, let me down. He didn't provide for me. Let me give you a little illustration. I remember as a child hearing in church that God answers prayers, and so there was something that I really wanted. It was a Ferrari. I was six years old. I started praying consistently for a Ferrari. And I had a lot of faith. I saw that the Bible, God answered prayers. So I would go to bed and say, oh, Lord, please give me a bright red shiny Ferrari. And I would wake up and open my blinds. And guess what? It never came. I was very disappointed. But you know, a Ferrari wasn't a need, especially for a six-year-old. I would have destroyed myself with that Ferrari. But God does promise to meet our needs. What are our needs? Our needs are food. Our needs are provision. Our needs are clothing to wear. We might not always have exactly what we want. I, I, I was moving out to San Diego to plant this church. I needed a place to live. And as I came, there was no house that opened up. And so we moved because it was God's will. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. So we said, you know what? Even though there's no house to live in, we're going to seek first his kingdom. And I said, God, my job is to do your will. Your job is to provide for me. We came and we landed in a hotel, but we had money to stay in that hotel. And then God opened a home next to this campus. That's where we started this church at different times. I remember getting mold in that house. I had to move in a day. God opened up a door for us to go and stay in someone else's house. It was great, but it wasn't the house I wanted, but I was stayed in that house. Then we had to move from that house. God opened up the door. Someone said, hey, come and stay in our living room. So I slept in someone's study, and here we were, my, my kids and I. Was it everything I wanted? No, but it was what I needed. God always provides for our needs. Now, by the way, we're very blessed in a, a more wonderful house than I'd ever thought. But that God's pro promise is to provide our needs. I think about transportation, and in this modern day and age, we need transportation to get to, from place to place. Our, our cities are big, and they're spread out. You need to get to school. You need to get to work. I remember as a young pastor, we didn't have a good bus system that I could take to go to different places, and, and I had a car, and I, it ended up getting flooded, and the water came into it. I, I was going on a mission trip and I said, well, I might as well just sell this and be able to pay for the mission trip. It's my job to seek first the kingdom of God, so I'll sell my car. But then I ended up without a car and I said, man, I desperately need transportation. I started praying, God, I've got to have transportation to get to campus, to get to church. Uh, a young college student saw that I didn't have a car. I wasn't asking people for it. Saw that I didn't have a car. Said, I don't have much, but I have an electric scooter. 
And so he gave me his little, little electric scooter. The steering column was broken. I had to drive it like this with the handlebars like this. It was pretty funny to see this big guy coming down the road on a little tiny electric scooter, but God provided my needs. Later on, someone else would, would give me a car. It hadn't always been what I wanted, but God provided for my needs. This, this week, one of our uh, single women on our staff had this big car uh, meltdown and challenges. She said, I don't have the money, but I've got to fix it. They said, the mechanic said, if you don't fix it tomorrow, this could be dangerous. You could end up in a big wreck. She said, oh my goodness, Lord, what do I do? She had faith in her heart to just say, I want to get it fixed. And so she gave it to the mechanic and she just said under her breath, she goes, you know what? God's going to provide for me. The next day, the mechanic comes back, gives her the car, totally repaired, and gives her a note. And, and it, he's, you know, just so encouraged, and he hands her a note that says, paid in full by God. And she was saying, hallelujah. It's so good. God, God knows what you need. I don't know who paid for it. She doesn't know who paid for it. But God wants to meet our needs. Here's another need you have. Another need you have is friendship. You need relationships. And I want to tell you, about when you don't have healthy relationships, it gets you in trouble. In high school, I got into all kinds of messes because I so wanted friends that I compromised my values. I compromised what I knew was right so that I could fit in with the crowd just so I could receive their love. We are desperate for love in this world. You can't make it without people. God created you to need people. That's why we have loneliness. That's one of the main needs I, meet, I, I hear about from people. They say, Pastor, I just need friends. What I did at the end of high school, I realized my life was a mess, and so I started praying for friends. God, give me godly friends. It was the first prayer that I started praying every single day. I prayed it for months before I went off to college. And I don't think it was an accident that the first guy I met on campus, this young guy named Robert Fuller, came bounding up to me. He was wanting to change his life too. We became best of friends, ended up becoming roommates, and he ended up marrying my sister. And we're connected forever. God so graciously answered that prayer. Let me ask you, are you praying for godly friends? You, you need that. And I'm believing for each person in this church to have godly friends in this church. But God wants to answer that prayer. Another need, we need health. We need health to be able to serve God. I was so discouraged. I was so frustrated when I had my heart problem in my early teen years. God, why is this happening to me? I asked. But what happened in the midst of my heart problem is I watched my parents, and my parents started getting on their knees every night. They hadn't done this before, but they got so desperate that they would get on their knees every night. I would walk into their room, and i go, oh, sorry, because they'd be on their knees with their head in their hands. They'd be joining hands, and they'd just be crying out for God to heal me. You know, sometimes it's our desperation that leads to our inspiration. So what one of my friends says, it's our desperation that leads to our inspiration. We don't like to have needs, but oftentimes our needs are what make us desperate, and that actually makes us dependent on God. And then as we spend time with God, we become the people that he longs for us to be. So a lot of us despise our needs, but God's actually using our needs to draw us near to him and to be conformed into his image so he can release us into all that we're called to live in. And so through this crisis, my parents actually became people of prayer, and our family became built on prayer. And not only was I healed, and my sisters recovered from 
very serious health issues too. All of us gave our lives to Jesus. All of us have followed God. All of us have served in ministry. And now all my parents' grandchildren that are of age have given their life to Jesus. God used a challenging situation to posture my parents in a place to receive more of God's blessing. Can I just tell you, don't despise your needs. They could be the very thing that are changing you into the person you're called to become. So let me explain that in another story. We don't like to have needs. We always want to have more than enough. The problem is, when we have more than enough, we often become independent. We become self-sufficient, and we become prideful, and we don't need God anymore. Just read the Bible. Look at the Old Testament. The people of Israel would become so blessed, and at first they'd be thankful, but then they'd, they'd grow contented, and then they'd turn their backs on God and often give themselves to their idols and walk into sin when they went into a place of having too much. My father grew up uh, in a poor, really lower working middle class home and went to work at 12 years old. And so he'd worked hard his whole life. Even in my childhood, he didn't make much money. And so it was a, a really interesting occasion when he had a windfall and was given an inheritance. But instead of just having that inheritance, he wanted to turn it into millions. And so he, decided, he was deciding between two different companies to invest in. An environmentally safe ant killer or this unheard of startup company that no one knew about named Dell Computers. He chose the ant killer because ants were horrible in Texas that year. The ant killer never even got off the ground, went belly up. He lost all the money. But he followed Dell Computers. He'd look at a stock and say, what would have happened if I would have invested? There came to be a year where he would have made $30 million. And in fact, one of our, our, our friends did that, and he made that much money. And my dad was just constantly kicking himself and so frustrated. Now, years later, though, what I watched was my dad was dependent on God for his daily needs. I mean... I remember coming home from school and I'd say, Dad, can we please stop at 7-Eleven and get a drink and a snack? And we didn't have enough money to do that. But Dad became dependent on God and, and would cry out for God to provide for him. And God always did meet our needs. And what Dad started realizing, one day I remember him saying, you know, I think God didn't give me all this money because I wanted to be independent. And I didn't want to have to relate to anyone. I wanted to insulate my life and not need anything or need anyone. And God wouldn't let me have that. And I looked at what my dad's become. He's become a prayer warrior. He told me the other day, he goes, Robert, during the debates the whole time, I just sat there, extended my hands, and prayed in the Spirit. This was my Southern Baptist dad. He just graduated from the third year of a ministry training school in his church. He's a bold evangelist in his workplace, always sharing the gospel, always leading people to the Lord. He has a marriage to be envied. Mom and him have the most wonderful marriage. All his kids love him. All his grandkids adore him. He is a wealthy man. And I tell dad, one of the greatest things that ever happened to you was that failed investment. I'm so glad that that didn't work out, Dad, because it made you who you are, a man who's dependent on God, and look at the favor on your life now. And I'm thankful for what happened. Don't despise being dependent on God for your daily bread, because we learn to put our faith in Him instead of our provision. So hopefully you're convinced that it's good to pray 
for our daily bread. So how do we pray? Jesus goes on to explain this to us, Luke eleven five. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he'll not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. Can you say that with me, church? Shameless audacity. I really like that phrase. You're like, no, no, I'm coming and asking anyway. Knock, knock, knock. Your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. Can I just tell you, shamelessly ask God for your needs. You don't need to feel bad. I ask people all the time, how can I pray for you? They're like, oh, no, no, I don't need prayer. No, never be like that. Be someone who's shameless and audacious in bringing your prayers to God because Jesus taught us to be that way. And he said, if you ask, you receive. If you knock, it'll be open to you. I I just got back from Arizona. On on Friday night, I went out to speak at a retreat for the Antioch Church in Arizona. This church is really dear to my heart. I'm on, on the overseer's board. I've mentored the pastor for years there as actually on the scouting trip where we decided to plant the church there. And so I really carry this church in my heart. And two years ago, we were on our board meeting there and they took us to look at a building. They're like us, they were a church that, that needs a permanent facility. And so they had found this building in this place that they wanted to buy and they wanted to, to convert it into a church. And we were so excited and they started really praying for it and they even raised money for it. And it looked like it was going to happen. And then in a day, the deal fell out from under them and they were so discouraged. But I was so proud of them because they said, no, God has a place for us and we're going to keep asking and we're going to keep seeking and we're going to keep knocking. And in a moment, God changed things. This summer, another church contacted them and said, our church is dying out and we really respect you guys and we're wondering if you would like our building and we could come and merge in with you. And they prayed and said, oh, let me think about it. Yes. And... So this summer, we get this call, and, and they pray, they seek the Lord, and this was my first time to get to go. I go to see this building, and I thought it was going to be kind of some old, you know, d- dying out, dilapidated building. We show up on the property, and I had no idea. It's three times nicer than the building they were going to buy. The land's twice as big. It's, it's almost new, and now they own it, and they own it without a payment. God had something better for them. Can I just tell you, we want to ask and keep asking. We want to seek and keep seeking. We want to knock and keep knocking. Can I just tell you, it was so encouraging to me, first of all, for my spiritual little brother and for that church that I love so dearly. But it also encouraged me for our church. Because I'm like, that's God. In a moment, he can turn things. Let's believe for God to do that for us, all peoples. As God's called us to get a building, as he's spoken to us that he wants to give us a permanent home. 
We've been asking. We've been seeking. I know our staff is contending for this like crazy. I hear our leaders contending for it. But it's time for every person in this fellowship to take their stand on the wall, their place, and say, God, won't you give us a permanent home in this city? Why? So that 24-7 people can drive by and say, that's a place that's lifting up the name of Jesus. They can say, that's a place that I can go in and find hope. That's a place I can go and be saved. That's a place I can go and be healed. That's a place I can go with my broken marriage and find healing. That's a place I can go with my family and be nurtured. That's a place I can go from any ethnicity in this city and be honored, valued, and cherished and built up. That's a place I can go and be trained up, and we're going to send missionaries to the ends of the earth. We need a 24-7 facility. Let's ask and keep asking. I want to do that this week in our, in our fasting and prayer time. I want to encourage everyone to jump in in some form or fashion. And if you can, jump in all three days to fast with us. What's fasting? It's abstaining from food, something we love, to say, Jesus, I need you more. Man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. I want to set aside some time to hear God. I want to set aside some time to feast on your presence. Lord, do you know you're more important than food? And God, I need a breakthrough. And what I've seen in the Old Testament is that when people needed a breakthrough, they'd call a fast and they'd pray and God would deliver them. I've seen family after family in this church that had a child with a health issue that would pray and fast. And in the midst of the fast, God would bring a breakthrough. I've seen people that deal, dealt with different addictions, different bondages, that in the middle of a fast, God would bring a breakthrough and release them. That's what we're going to believe for this week. I want to encourage you to join with us on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're doing something we haven't done before. We're going to meet together each night and pray at our university building, 5555 University Avenue. Five is the number of grace, by the way. That's pretty amazing. You didn't get that. Our address is 5555. But anyway, we're going to be seeking God and praying each night, 6.30 to 7.30. And then on Friday, we're going to stretch out there and pray from 6.30 to 9.30. Prayer, extended time of worship. We're going to be praying for personal breakthrough. What's the breakthrough you need? Let's fast. Fasting is like lifting a sail on a sailboat. It doesn't merit God's favor. It lets us stretch out so that we can catch the wind of the Spirit and be blown forward, propelled forward into all that God has called us to be called into. It's just merely showing God, God, I value you more than anything. Some people in this church are really great fasters. Anybody love to fast out there? Neither do I. Okay, there's two of you. You're crazy, but we love you, and we need you to pray for the rest of us because fasting is very challenging. But God pours out his grace on us in the midst of it. Look at what else Jesus says. Luke chapter 11. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That gives me a funny picture of this widow coming <laughs> to attack him. <laughs> and the Lord said, listen, 
Listen to what the unjust says, unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, listen to this, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Church, we're called to be a people who cry out to God day and night, who persevere in the place of prayer. Jesus understood that we would want to give up in times of prayer. He understood that it would get hard. You know, some of my heroes in this church are women that came and they either gave their lives to Jesus or they got on fire and they were committed to this church, but their husbands lagged behind. Perhaps that they hadn't come to Jesus yet or perhaps that they, were, they, they weren't wanting to fully jump in. And I, I meet these different people that have prayed for years and years and years. They, they faithfully served. And just this week, I was talking to one of our staff members and she was bragging on two different husbands who've been absolutely transformed. They're in the midst of our church serving and they're loving Jesus like crazy. And we're celebrating now that victory. Can I just tell you spouses, can I just tell you men and women, some of you are in here sitting alone. Can I just tell you, ask and keep asking. Yes. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Because in a moment, God can bring the breakthrough in your marriage. Yes, One of my heroes is down here on the front row, Jeannie Herman. She's my mother-in-law. And she met every week of her children's upbringing with a group of women to contend for her kids in prayer. And I'm so thankful that she did that. You know, it's easier to give up because then we don't have to deal with the disappointment that's in our heart. But Jesus said, don't give up. Keep coming. Keep coming to it like the judge. Keep coming to him and bringing your plea. And so Jeannie did that every week. And although my, my wife is a high schooler in the beginning of college, was in rebellion, she was in parting, Jeannie just kept contending and kept contending. Now all three of her children are following Jesus. They're all a part of this church. They're all serving him. And my wife's totally on fire, impacting so many people. I am so thankful for the prayers of a mother who would not give up. Because now we're all blessed, and especially me. Thank you. Moms, you need to pray and keep praying. Fathers, pray and keep praying. There's students in here. You're the first in your family to give your life to Christ. Pray for your parents. Pray for your siblings. Contend for them. Don't give up. In a moment, Jesus can bring the breakthrough. I don't know what you need today, but in a moment, Jesus can bring the breakthrough. Don't give up. He says, every day, come, give us today our daily bread. And you come tomorrow and give us today our daily bread. So let me just model for you how I do that. I showed you last week how I intercede the, for his kingdom, uh, his kingdom come and his will to be done. I pray these different circles. Then I come to give us this day our daily bread and I pray for what belongs to me. I start with my family. So I do this. I come and I start by praying for my wife. Father, I pray for Stephanie. I thank you for her. She is a precious gift to me. I never want to stop giving you praise for giving me such an amazing woman. And Lord, I pray, Proverbs 31, like I always do over her, that charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Let Stephanie fear you. Lord, I'm asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be poured out on her. Lord, Proverbs 31 also says that she'd be clothed with strength and dignity. So strengthen her today, Lord. It 
it takes so much to take care of four kids. Lord, strengthen her. It takes a lot to take care of me, Lord. Give her strength, God. And I'm praying that she'd have dignity. And Lord, I'm praying that she would shine and she'd grow in you and she'd fulfill her purposes in you. Every day I bring my wife before the Lord. It's the greatest gift I can give as a husband. And then I go to my children. Lord, I thank you for Hallie, my firstborn. And Lord, you gave us that name, Hallie Luana, which means ruler of an army, gracious in battle. I pray that Hallie would be a great warrior for you. I pray that she'd stand and lead this generation. Lord, I pray Psalm 84, the verse I pray for every day. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord God Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Let her soul yearn for you. Let her hunger for you over everything else. Lord, you spoke over her that she'd be used in the arts to advance her kingdom. So Lord, anoint her as she's learning to dance. Anoint her as she's learning guitar and learning to act. Lord, I'm praying for your anointing. I'm praying that she'd be pure and she'd be set apart. I pray this over my daughter every day. I pray what her name means. I pray verses that God's put in my heart. Just read the Bible, and when a verse sticks out to you, grab a hold of that and say, that's a promise for my kid, and start praying that over them. Here's why. Because the word of God will not return to us void. So as you're praying for your kid, you're planting seeds in their heart that won't return void. So I'm praying them into their destiny. Lord, I pray for Hudson today. Lord, I pray for Hudson. We named him Hudson after Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China who saw a whole nation turn to you. And I pray that just like Hudson Taylor, my Hudson would have a broken heart for the lost, Lord Jesus. I pray that he'd be a leader in his generation. I pray Psalm 27 over him. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I might gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and, and see him in his holy temple. Lord, he's a very passionate young man. Lord, I pray his passion for you would eclipse his passion for sports. Lord, I pray that he would be a pure man and that he'd be a leader among his friends. Lord, I pray for Joshua. I named him Joshua after Joshua in the Bible. And so I pray that same scripture, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be dismayed before the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I pray that Joshua would know you're with him. Lord, I pray that he'd be a leader. I pray that he'd be strong and courageous. I pray that he'd love his brothers and his sister more, Lord Jesus. And I pray for John Mark today, my, my youngest God. You spoke over him that he'd have a prophetic gift. We named him John Mark after the apostle in the Bible. Lord, I pray that he'd have a desire to advance your kingdom in his generation. I pray that same thing that was said over Barnabas in the Bible, that he's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and many would be added to the kingdom because of him. Lord, I'm asking that over John Mark today. I contend for my children, and as I do it, I feel the pleasure of God. And I pray for my family together. Lord, I, I, pray, I pray the Herber family motto that would hunger for God, that would humble ourselves, that would honor each other, would be hardworking, that you'd unify us together, that my children would honor me and their mother, and that they'd love one another, and we would be a kingdom dream team advancing your kingdom in the nations of the world. I'm praying that over my family. I'm contending for that. And then what do I pray for next? I pray for me. I meet people all the time that they're like, well, I don't really pray for me. No, Jesus wants us to pray for ourselves. I, in fact, we desperately need you to pray for yourself because when you pray for yourself, anything you pray in accordance with his will, you know that you have what you ask for, you become transformed into the image of Jesus and we desperately need that to happen to you. So please pray for yourself. You need me to pray for myself. I am responsible for the fire in my own heart. 
And so I pray, Lord, put more passion for you in my heart. Do you know it takes God to love God? So I ask, God, fill me with love for Jesus today. I, I pray over my mind, Lord, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation out of the book of Colossians and the knowledge of God in order to know God better. I'm asking for that. Lord, I pray over my face that my face would be like the face of Jesus. I pray over my mouth that only that which is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy would come out. I pray that over my mind as well, Lord Jesus. And I pray the fruit of the spirit that I'd walk in that today out of Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I pray that fruit of the Spirit over my life every single day. And Lord, let the gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12 come out of me, Lord, and touch other people. Lord, I pray that I'd prophesy. Lord, that I'd speak in tongues and have interpretations of tongues, that I would move in healing and, and discernment of spirits and miraculous powers. Lord, these things that you promised your disciples, Lord, let them flow through me, God. I'm praying to become more like Jesus. I pray these things, and the amazing thing is I pray them. I see that happening more and more. And then I pray for those things that I need, those material things I need. I, I bring my daily needs before the Lord. I ask him to meet my financial needs. This week I had been fighting a cold, and so I, I took my herbs, I took my vitamins, I tried to get extra sleep, but I'd also lay hands on myself and say, Lord, heal me. I'm asking for your healing over my life. You need to pray over yourself. God loves it. He loves to hear you. He's your father. He loves to hear it, and he loves to step in and answer those prayers. Church, we're called to be this kind of people that bring our daily needs before the Lord. And then as he answers them, guess what? You get so encouraged. You get so built up. You draw near and near. Your needs are something that will actually draw you nearer to God. This is something that makes us feel incredibly close to him as we learn to bring our needs to him daily. So let's do it this week. Would you do that this week? Church, uh, flip to the back of your bulletin, and what you'll see is a little chart that you can just fill out. What are the needs I have, especially during a fast? What are my physical needs, my emotional needs? What are my relational needs I have? What am I believing for? Would you just take a moment, and if you don't have a bulletin, just put it in your phone. What do you need this week? Write that down, and then with, with shameless audacity, bring that before the Lord this week. And then when he answers those prayers, write it down and make sure you thank him and give him glory. Share a testimony of what he's doing and you will find yourself falling in love with prayer. Let's do that this week as we pray and fast together as well. Why don't we stand up to finish our time?